Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Shoots and scores! There's 50 from the right circle! Harris, he'll throw. He's got a man wide open. Touchdown, Eskimos! Kenny Stafford to the end zone. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Hey, good to have you tuning in tonight. We have Edmonton Oilers forward Jujar Kara coming up later this evening. A new two-year contract for him as he is looking to bounce back to the player he was two years ago when he had 11 goals, just had three goals this past season. GM Ken Holland showing some faith in Kara with a two-year contract. Team Brick Alberta looking good at the Brick Invitational at West Edmonton Mall. The kids are 4-0. and They got a visit today from Colton Pareko and the Stan Cup. We will get into that as we move along tonight. You may remember last night I, ha- I said they had a game coming up against Toronto Pro Hockey who was also 2-0 and and they'd scored a ton of goals. Well, they won that game. They won again today. So Team Brick Alberta looking good trying to uh, win their own tournament for the first time since 2009. That is the year all these kids were born. And you have probably seen this on social media or heard it talked about on this station or seen it on television today. Hardcore Kawhi Watch in Toronto the Raptors star in T.O. And the anticipation is, well, if he's flown all the way back uh, to Toronto, he, he's not just there to pick up some socks. He's, he's there to sign a contract. So maybe, maybe Kawhi is indeed going to stay with the Toronto Raptors instead of going to uh, one of the Los Angeles teams. And I started thinking... You know, what can I do? The Raptors have inspired so much passion uh, over this run here in, in the in the playoffs. They've, uh, uh, they've reignited the passion of fans who have been there a long time. They've brought new fans on board. So I'm thinking, what can little old me in northern Alberta do to help get Kawhi Leonard to stay? What can I do? How can I at least put out some positive vibes? Well, I decided I could write a love letter. Dear Kawhi Leonard, I love you. My love for you has burned for an eternity ever since May 12th when you hit that game-winning shot against Philadelphia. We've been through so much since then. You scoring all those points and grabbing all those rebounds. Me trying to explain to my mother the difference between a block and a charge. I love how you have one facial expression for every emotion. Are you happy? Angry? Hungry? Constipated? I just can't tell. You're such a mystery, Kawhi, and I love it. I love how you led the Raptors past the Golden State Warriors. 
By the way, I still can't find Golden State on a map. Heck, I love how you even found Golden State. You're a modern-day Magellan, Kawhi Leonard. Except your globe is a basketball. Look, it took me a while to learn how to spell your name. Actually, it took me a while to learn how to pronounce your name. But that doesn't mean that you, me, and millions of Raptors fans across the country weren't meant for each other from the moment you were traded from that other team for that other guy. Kawhi, I love how you reminded me that Raptors are cold-blooded killers and not just things that LeBron James feasts on. So sign on the dotted line, Kawhi. Let's stay together forever for the next two to five years. All my love, Reed Wilkins. Thanks to the band Kiss for the musical accompaniment. Really glad to have you guys live in studio to play forever. By the way, uh, co-written by Paul Stanley and Michael Bolton. There's your obscure fact of the day. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports on 630. Ched, you can text 630-630, our phone number 780-496-0063. And producer Brad Whisker sticking around after the afternoon news. Hey, Brad. Hey, Reed. I had to hear the love letter. Uh, couldn't have written a better one myself. And uh, let's just keep our fingers crossed that he can entertain you once again from May 12th next year to near the end of June. Yeah. Well, I may have to do an annual love letter now. Well, I mean, he's going to hear it. He's going to want another. Yeah, I'm sure that's what he was waiting for. The final just pitch. Just put it over the top. He's like, maybe maybe Wilkins will reach out. That's maybe, right. maybe Maybe Wilkins will reach out if I fly back to uh, Toronto. Uh, cap- I mean, captivating athlete. Took the Raptors, obviously, to where they had uh, never gone before. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Do you think, or in your opinion, is he the greatest Raptor ever? Yes, he is. Me too. After one year, he is. I agree. I agree. He's done something. And yes, he did it with a supporting cast. But clearly the supporting cast prior to him with DeRozan, it didn't work. And he just comes in, plays 60 regular season games, 20-some postseason games, wins an NBA championship, and then turns Toronto into downtown Los Angeles in 1994 with an OJ-style chase. Yeah, and we're, and we're after we uh, we take a break here in a, in a few minutes, we're going to bring in Jamie Tawil from AM640 in Toronto. And we had him on the, the day of the parade. And uh, obviously he's he's following this as well. And it's, it's pretty insane now with... Uh, the social media and obviously, you know, the, the TV stations following him, just him arrived. Now, what if, what if he just, you know, left some PlayStation games and some shirts he really likes in his apartment in Toronto and he just needs to pick them up and take them, take them home? Pick some stuff up, wanted to go to the Jays game tonight, and then he's going to go meet Masai and just say, hey, uh, thanks for having me for a year. Uh, I just wanted to tell you in person that going to sign a three-year, $120 million <laughs> deal with the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, can I take the private jet back, or do I have to fly economy? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, well, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been pretty interesting to watch, and we'll get an update uh, from, uh, from Jamie in a few minutes. Brad, thanks for sticking around. I appreciate it, buddy. Of course, and thank you for writing the love letter to Kauai. It is uh, 6-12. Quick timeout. Inside Sports on For breaking news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30, Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. 
Eskimos on a bye week. They play next Thursday at the BC Lions. We will have it for you. Six o'clock countdown to kickoff game at eight. We will have this week's edition of King's Court with Eskimos long snapper Ryan King coming up later in the program. We had my uh, love letter to Kawhi Leonard off the top of the show. Some text to 63630. This person simply says, read your letter to Kawhi was beautiful. Roadhammer says that it was exactly what Kawhi Leonard was waiting for in order to make his decision. I wouldn't be surprised if he reached out and asked you for a copy of that love letter so he could frame it and put it right beside his Larry O'Brien trophy and his playoff MVP award. That is from Roadhammer. That's a good point, Roadhammer. And uh, this texter simply says, that was really stupid, the love song. I feel like that's just a challenge for you and me, Kellen, to see how silly we can get. But we will not take that challenge tonight. I mean, <laughs> you did play a love song from the makeupless era of Kiss, so there we go. That's true. <laughs> that's true. And Michael Bolton co- co-wrote it. I did so not know that. I, actually, I, I, I didn't know that till I just checked it before I uh, I came on air tonight. Uh, that's so crazy. That's amazing stuff. Uh, tell you what. Well, let's uh, let's just look a little deeper into the story. We'll go to our uh, go to Toronto. Our good buddy at AM six forty, the one and only Jamie Tawil. Jamie, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Always a pleasure, Reed. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for checking in tonight. The last time we talked. There was a parade with all eyes on the Toronto Raptors as a team. Well, today, all eyes in Toronto on one specific basketball player. Man, you know, I thought I was watching old footage of the OJ chase for a while on TV this afternoon. Tell us what's been going on. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I was actually just watching. I've been following like everybody has and updating their phones all day and just watching uh, a couple of uh, NBA analysts stateside, uh, one of whom suggested that Kawhi would be none too pleased at the fact that you know the Raptors may have leaked, um, you know the the plane departing LAX and, and coming to Toronto, which would allow this local media outlet to follow it uh, via helicopter. But I mean that's not the case. My understanding is this local media outlet was was tracking the MLS and E plane. Uh, they knew when it was leaving LAX. They uh, waited for it to arrive in Toronto when they did. Uh, they, they wasted little time in doing that OJ-like pursuit, as you mentioned. So, you know, this is not a case of the Raptors leaking Kawhi's whereabouts or the fact that he was in Toronto. In typical Toronto fashion, media got wind of something. They, they went with it and uh, almost uh, got to tip your hat to them for being so on it because I don't think anybody anticipated uh, seeing an OJ-style chase of Kawhi Leonard from the 401 or from Pearson down the 401 into uh, the Yorkville area of Toronto, which is a very affluent area just north of the downtown core. And uh, that is where presumably Kawhi and Masai Ujiri and a number of the Raptors brass met where either the final pitch is going down or he's putting ink to paper because I don't, for the life of me, like a lot of other people who have been following this, understand why Kawhi would fly five and a half, six hours from L.A. to say, you know what, I, uh, I'm good. I don't want to come back. I, I think that this is a, a very good sign that uh, we could see Kawhi Leonard in a Raptor uniform next season. Well, which would be pretty exciting. And, uh, you know, it's basically... the. I, I, I mean, look, if he's leaning towards the Raptors, that's us. But, but the finalists, are we looking at the Raptors and both uh, L.A. teams if you have to narrow it down? Or what do you think his, it looks like his final choices are here? You know what, Reed? I'm having a really difficult time with the Laker thing. Um, you know, I understand the, uh, the fact that we haven't seen sort of a, you know, a trio like that since 
you know, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron in Miami. And I can see why that, you know, maybe people think Kawhi would want to create another dynasty and, and go that route. But that, to me, just doesn't seem like his style. So, uh, And then you've got the L.A. Clippers as well, um, who I think would probably be more of a likely scenario for Kawhi Leonard just based on his personality, his style, and the way that they are. Like, I, I just don't see the Lakers thing happening only because, again, I, I don't think Kawhi is the type of guy that wants to play second fiddle to LeBron. Um, it, it's, it's a weird one, but you were seeing far more suggestions and rumors and rumblings about the Lakers than we are about the Clippers. And why? Because it's the Lakers and because the following and the media and the fan base there, it's insane. I mean, if you just look at the hashtags on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, go down the list of, of, uh, of Kawhi Leonard, a lot of it is coming out of the L.A. Lakers area specifically. And uh, I think a lot of it is just completely, uh, you know, unfounded and just it's a lot of fan rumors and innuendo and the hopes that he goes there. I don't see it happening, again, only because – I think Kawhi wants to be the guy. He doesn't want to play second fiddle to a LeBron or to an Anthony Davis. You know, it's funny. When he was traded to Toronto, everybody knew the contract situation, but I remember a lot of people saying, probably me included if I went back and listened to the tape, if you get a championship, it's worth it even if he walks away. Do Raptors fans, specifically in Toronto, still feel that way, or or if he did, or you know, would have wound up walking away, would have it been like, I can't believe he left. He's bad. I think there will be a, a crazy amount of disappointment amongst the Toronto fan base, and that goes without question. If Kawhi Leonard were to leave any team, I mean, San Antonio, of course, departure. Um, I think that the Toronto fan base here understands. Kawhi Leonard and they appreciate Kawhi Leonard and uh, I mean the fact that he delivered a championship I would like to say that it's, it's relevant in terms of how Toronto would feel but I'd like to think that even if let's say we lost to Golden State in six that uh, Toronto fans should Kawhi leave would give him a very warm welcome when he were to return considering what he's done for this franchise which has put the team in the NBA final for the first time ever he won it of course whether or not that plays into him staying or leaving, I guess the old adage only time will tell. Jamie Twill joining us on Inside Sports from AM640 in Toronto as uh, we keep an eye on Kawhi Leonard uh, possibly getting closer to uh, staying with the with the Toronto Raptors here with a new contract. Did you like? Did you ever think it could be like this around a Raptors <laughs> player? You know what I mean? Like just this, this, this. Not really. You know. It, it, it's a very good question because, no, no, I, I really didn't. It, it took Kawhi Leonard uh, to catapult the team. Look, I mean, the Raptors were a good squad for a number of seasons, you know, a lot of first-round exits. You know, they, they had the LeBron curse, and, uh, but, you know, they were a good club, especially in the regular season. But I don't think any Toronto fan really understood the of what would happen if this team made it to, say, an Eastern Conference final, let alone the championship, let alone win. And we saw the outcome of, of what happened when, when, when they won. That parade was just I've, – I've never seen anything like it. I was fortunate enough to cover that. And, uh, I, I mean, I just – even today, I'm still blown away by it. I find myself going back into my phone and looking at some of the pictures and videos I took that day because it was just absolutely insane. So, you know, coming back full circle to answer your question, no, I, I didn't see it. And I think a lot of it has to do with Kawhi Leonard. And I think a lot of 
a lot of uh, emotion and the like, positive emotion will sort of be deflated, so to speak, should he leave. And uh, but again, if I'm a betting man, Kawhi Leonard's going to be in a Raptor uniform next season. Well, that that would make a lot of people happy, and I do think it would keep a lot of people interested in the team. Now, they, they added a lot of fans. Don't get me wrong, Jamie. You and I talked about that before, and I was yep. really impressed with how many people, you know, family and friends of mine included, were watching games or full games where they never would have in the past. But I think they're, they're obviously going to retain a lot of those people. They, I think they will retain a larger percentage of them if Kawhi is still on the team. 100%. Um, you know, you look at the apparel sales even. The amount of Kawhi Leonard jerseys that would be rendered useless if he goes to L.A., <laughs> I feel really sorry for those fans. Um, but, uh, no, certainly, look, at the end of the day, this team has captured not only the hearts of, of uh, fans here in Toronto, well, we've talked about this, but fans from coast to coast. And I think that if Kawhi stays or goes, this is a team that's still going to compete. It, let's say he goes. Uh, you're looking at a Raptor team that's competing in the Eastern Conference. You look at teams like Philly. You look at teams like Milwaukee and now, of course, Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I mean, there's arguably, without Kawhi Leonard on the Toronto Raptors, your top three. Let's say the Raptors are a middle-seeded team. They can get into the playoffs, and then from there, you never know. Now, can they win another championship without Kawhi Leonard? Probably not. But they have a good chance of at least getting through a round of the playoffs without him. So you can imagine with him the damage that uh, this Raptor team can do. But either way, either way, guaranteed, the fans will be following this club very closely next season. Well, th- this is fun to watch. Jamie, thanks a lot for checking in, man. It's, uh, it's been great to have you on the show a couple of times here. I'm sure we'll talk again. Enjoy this, man. You know it, and uh, thanks for having me. Always appreciate it. Jamie Tawil from our affiliate station AM640 in Toronto on Kawhi Watch. Is he going to stay with the Raptors? It is looking that way. Blue Jays at a 3-3 tie with the Red Sox in the bottom of the fourth. Edmonton prospects on the diamond at seventh night at Remax Field against Moose Jaw. Moose Jaw able to win last night after the prospects won on Canada Day. Jujar Kara from your Edmonton Oilers later on tonight. And uh, more on the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet with Chip Alexander when we get back. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We'll have one of Nuge's teammates, Jujar Kara, on the show between 7 and 7.30 tonight as uh, the restricted free agent was re-signed on Monday to a two-year contract. A couple of texts to 630-630. Luke says, uh, great job on your... Love letter to Kawhi Leonard Reed. I hope it puts us over the top. LOL, stick to your day job. LOL, that is from Luke. Uh, this texter says the Raptors were 17-5 and without Kawhi. He was also the MVP of the NBA Finals. And uh, this individual says, I am 68 years of age 
Never had watched a basketball game on TV until the championship. Now I'm hooked. Can't wait until May of 2020. Go Raptors, go. Already looking ahead to the playoffs next season. You can text 630-630. Our open line number is 780-496-0063. We'll have Kings Court with Eskimos long snapper Ryan King on the show later on tonight. And keep listening for your chance to win Eskimos tickets to their next home game on July 25th. Bit of a bit of a break here between home games for the Eskimos. They were away last week, lost in Winnipeg by this week. Then they're at BC and then at Montreal before returning home. Well, one of the biggest stories on free agency day was an offer sheet to a restricted free agent. Sebastian Ajo of the Carolina Hurricanes got an offer sheet from the Montreal Canadiens. Chip Alexander from the Rally News and Observer has been covering the Canes for years. Chip, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Hey, doing good. It is great to have you on the show, talking a little uh, hockey here in the first week of July. And, and why wouldn't we? Because the Hurricanes, well, they've been at the center of a few things over the past six or seven months, which we'll touch on. But let's let's dive right in here. Uh, I mean, there was never a chance they weren't matching that offer sheet from the Canadians, was there? No chance at all. I mean, and from the time that you saw the offer sheet itself and the figures that were being released, you, you just knew that... You know, Tom Dundon, the owner of the Hurricanes, called it kind of a waste of time on, uh, I guess, on the Montreal's uh, part. And, and I don't know if it was that, you know, I guess Montreal had the answer to that. But certainly from the Hurricanes' perspective, once they saw the offer sheet, it was a no-brainer. They knew they would match that. And, in fact, I think uh, Don Waddell, the uh, general manager, had said they would match any offer sheet for Ajo. Uh, so I guess to really test that out, that theory, Montreal probably would have had to offer a few million more per year to see if the uh, the Hurricanes would bend on it. But my understanding was they were gonna they were gonna match any offer sheet. So when you s- saw the details coming out where Montreal front loaded some things with signing bonuses, did mm-hmm. despite them saying that, did it ever creep into your mind where it thought, okay, now now Carolina might have to consider this because of the front loaded aspect of it, or did you just think that was a hurdle that it wasn't a very big one anyway? I didn't, th- I didn't think it was a big hurdle. I know how much uh, Don uh, Tom Dundon respects Sebastian Ajo. He he knows how much Ajo means to the franchise, and uh, certainly he was going to match any offer. And, and we're talking about a self-made billionaire who has the financial wherewithal to uh, to make that kind of commitment. And uh, with with the you know the numbers that were being talked about, uh, to me, I don't think, uh, and I think it it says something that. The Hurricanes didn't wait very long to match it. That uh, the very next day, Tom Dunn was coming on and saying, "No, we are going to match. We may not send in the official notice until maybe one minute before the deadline, but uh, you know, we are going to match the offer." So, no, even with that front-loaded bonus of over twenty-one million dollars, that did not cause the Hurricanes any pause at all, in my opinion. You know, Aho is. I mean, it's, you almost look at those stats, Chip, and it's it's almost exactly what you would want out of a young player. 49 points, then 65, then 83. Nice improvements every year. I mean, uh, I think he's 10th in Hart Trophy voting this past year, and and uh, and maybe the sky's the limit for this kid. So, I, I mean, you've seen him play, obviously. To what uh-huh. do you owe his development and sort of his constant and pretty quick growth over the last three years? I think he just needed to adjust to the NHL. I think, you know, he has some size limitations, and that's one reason that he was a second-round draft pick, that a lot of teams missed on him in the first round, and the Hurricanes took him in the second round. 
Uh, but then once again, he, you know, he played well for Finland. He's played well in international competitions for Finland, which I think have been beneficial for him. Uh, he just sees the ice so well. He does so many things well. And, you know, Rod Brendamore coming into his first year as head coach last season had some, uh, some reservations about using Ajo at center and not playing him on the wing. And uh, but once again, an injury early in the season to a center, and Aho was basically thrust into that role. But actually, the injury to Victor Ass came before training camp, so that answered that question. Aho would be used at center, and uh, certainly he was able to show that he was capable of handling that. And I think he got off to a slow start in the playoffs. I think the grind of the season may have gotten to him a little bit, but uh, he wound up having some uh, respectable numbers in the playoffs and certainly the fact that in his third season he was the leading scorer as the team finally ended the playoff drought and got back in the playoffs. says a lot for his value to the team. Well, you know what? It, 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 this is one of those fun topics that you can never actually do, but uh, Bob Stoffer and I started talking about it on Monday when we saw the offer sheet. I mean, if you redrafted 2015, I mean, McDavid and Eichel are, I, I think Edmonton and Buffalo are, are, are pretty happy. Uh, Marner, Rantanen, and then Ajo fifth in points from that draft. And um, heck, is, is Ajo a better all-round player than Marner and Rantanen? Like, are we legitimately talking about him as the third best forward out of that 2015 draft right now? Well, I think that's in the eyes of the beholder. I know there are a lot of people, uh, certainly in Toronto, who, who think a lot of Marner and his way to that team. I've seen him play a lot. You know, if, if you put me, uh, if you said you could have either one of those two players right now, to be honest with you, I would pick Aho because he plays center. Uh, and the fact that the things he's done for, for Carolina, uh, ran into is a, you know, a really good player. But you're right. I mean, looking back at that draft and you look at some of the forwards that were taken ahead of Aho, uh, and, and one reason that they were backing off on him was, I guess he was, I don't know, he was listed at 5'11 and 165 pounds or something like that. But you got to remember, playing in the men's league in Finland, he scored the winning goal to win the uh, the league championship in a men's league in overtime. So, I mean, here's somebody who obviously likes to kind of seize the spotlight and, of course, scarred as uh, Finland won the World Junior Championship uh, a year or two later. So, I mean, this is, uh, I think this is a, there's no doubt he's a rising star in the league. He was an NHL all-star this past year, and uh, no one knows what the ceiling is for, for him. I mean, will he become a 100-point player next year? There's no telling, but then again, I wouldn't bet against it either. Chip Alexander joining us on Inside Sports covers the Hurricanes for the News and Observer. All right, I, I got to go down this uh, path with you, Chip, because we didn't get to talk during the regular season this year. When you first saw the storm surge in a sport and a league that doesn't always handle personality very warmly, <laughs> what, 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 what did you think? Were you like, oh, no, what's going to happen here? Or, or tell me about the first time you saw the storm surge. Well, the, the first one it, you know, was the first victory, which is, was in the second game, and, and it was so spontaneous and so unexpected. And it wasn't a lot to it, really. I mean, the players basically raised their sticks, they clapped, they skated down to one end of the ice and jumped into the glass. And then I think everybody kind of sat there and, and was saying, and, and the media actually was still, at least I was, on the medic, you know, on the press level, so I, I saw the whole thing. And, and I was like, you know, did, what was that all about? And that was a, that was a new twist. I mean, yeah, you're right. It was kind of surprising. 
and then you go down and you find out that uh, that they really wanted you know to make the fan experience better at PNC Arena. And uh, as they went along during the season, things got a little more cuter and, and more choreographed. And Don Cherry said what he had to say about the bunch of jerks. And then you started watching uh, fans from other teams that were also, you know, waiting around after the games, you know, with their cell phones up, ready to video it. You know, they were – everybody kind of got into it. I thought it was a neat twist to the season last year. The, the question I have is will they continue it next season? And I'm not sure – that uh, I or anyone else had the answer to that yet. And one, and I guess one reason would be that the captain, Justin Williams, who was kind of the, the ringleader of the whole thing, is, hasn't decided yet whether he'll retire or return next season. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think it was something that uh, I don't see anything wrong with it. I know some, some uh, maybe some hardliners in the NHL had problems with it. But, uh, you know, I've been around a long time doing this job a long time, and I certainly saw nothing wrong with it. Well, you mentioned Don Cherry, and one thing I've been saying, like he did the Hurricanes a favor, which is probably exactly the opposite of what he wanted to do, right? But it seems like he got more people interested on their their side of maybe supporting that. Well, that's exactly right. And I remember asking Tom Dundon at the time, you know, are you expecting an apology from Don Cherry or would you like to have? He said, no, not really. Uh, you know, it's great. You know, anything that brings attention to the to our team and what we're doing here is great. And you got to, you know, you got to think of all the good things that happened to the Hurricanes franchise this year: uh, winning games, getting to the playoffs, this bunch of jerks. You know, then into the playoffs with this Hamilton the pig, the good luck thing. I mean, there was there was probably more attention paid to the Hurricanes in one year than maybe in all those nine years they missed the playoffs almost and almost going back to the when they won the Stanley Cup. So just a tremendous year for the Hurricanes in terms of marketing and winning and getting back to the playoffs, just all wrapped into one. Well, I forgot to ask you about the pig. You never got an exclusive interview, did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't attempt to do that. I think I stayed away from Hamilton the pig. There were plenty of people that were queuing up to interview him, so I decided, well, you know, I'll let somebody else do that for us. But uh, I did see him. I thought it was interesting. Uh, You know, a tradition for the Hurricanes games is to have tailgates outside the arena. And a lot of those tailgates, people are eating uh, barbecue. And I'm not, uh, we were kind of wondering and laughing if that, you know, if Hamilton got a little queasy or uneasy, if he he was being pulled around and and seeing all the pigs who were being, you know, (laughs) they were were turned into. the barbecue there so it's uh no it was just it was you know one of those things that took on a life of its own you mentioned the storm surge i mean it took on a life of its own you everybody was wondering what's next you know you have a home run uh situation you have the human bowling ball you have the limbo i mean it was uh i think they were almost straining themselves to come up with something more creative each time yeah, that's why they had to stop it, not because they were worried about offending anybody. They ran out of ideas. <laughs> too many sequels. <laughs> yeah. uh, Chip, it right, is... there's too much creative pressure there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Chip, it's it's great to have you on the show, and you're right. The the Hurricanes, one of the more interesting teams to follow over the past 12 months or so. We'll, uh, we'll see if that continues into the new hockey season. Thanks for fitting me in today. I know it's been a busy time for you. Really appreciate it. Busy week, but thank you a lot. That is Chip Alexander checking in from the Rally News and Observer, the latest on Aho and some reflections on the storm surge season. 
for the Carolina Hurricanes and some people texting into 630-630, no, I was not going to hang up on Chip during that interview. <laughs> I know you're joking, but uh, he had some uh, Boston radio hosts cut him a little short uh, this past season. I would not do that to Chip. Good to talk to him. 3-3, Blue Jays and Red Sox, that game in the bottom of the fifth. Hey, things going very well for Team Brick Alberta at the Brick Invitational at West Edmonton Mall. They are 4-0. They had a visit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline from Colton Pareko in the Stanley Cup today. We'll check in with the Team Brick head coach when we get back. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30 chair. much for tuning in this evening it is going to be the netherlands against the united states for the women's world cup title one nil today netherlands over sweden this is after the united states beat england yesterday so it'll be england and sweden for the bronze all right the brick invitational rolling along at the ice palace it has been an excellent week so far for team brick alberta and pleased to be joined on the line by their head coach umberto fiorello Umberto, you're on with Reed. Thanks for checking in tonight. How are you doing? Good. Thanks, Reed. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for making time for me tonight. I, I know, uh, a, well, obviously a busy week, and, and today was uh, was kind of a crazy day. So before we get to some of the action on the ice, uh, just tell me a little bit about Colton Pareko showing up. Well, first of all, Colton Pareko shows up with the Stanley Cup. Did the kids have any inkling this was happening? No, no idea at all of it that uh, Colton was going to come into our dressing room. We were preparing for uh, our game against Team Minnesota today, and uh, we were just in the middle of we just ended our team meetings, and uh, and he walks in the room with the Stanley Cup and lifts it over his head in the middle of our dressing room. And these little ten, they are our young hockey players, ten year olds, and just super excited. And I think they were in shock for the first uh, forty five to sixty seconds there. So, uh, what what? Did Colton did uh, Colton say to them? Colton, he was uh, he was awesome. He just uh, he came in, introduced himself. He let them uh, quickly surround the cup and just said, like, uh, one day this is going to be you, and uh, I'm excited to watch you play today. And it was all about them and uh, tremendous, tremendous person. Uh, look, you're you're an adult, but the Stanley Cup's an iconic trophy, especially for Canadians. What was it like for you to be that close to it? Yeah, it, it was good. It just uh, it's such a symbol of uh, of teamwork and sacrifice, and uh, and just being just yeah, just being a great teammate. Everything we tell the kids, and it's just like when I walked in the room, it's just like you think of all the team first mentality things you go through as a group, and uh, it was just special to be in the same room and to see Colton's enthusiasm and. You know, and, and his happiness is just—it uh, is—it just, just fires you up, to be honest. So, what was it like for the kids? Obviously, that's incredibly exciting. But you were getting ready for a game, and I—you know—I know you want to win and nail down that playoff spot. And you guys are trying to win this tournament for the first time in a while. The, they obviously refocused pretty quickly because they did win again today. 
Yeah, we had, uh, it, you know, I think it was, uh, we had the last game I was playing on the schedule, so they didn't get much sleep, and then uh, Colton walks in with the cup, but it's, uh, some things are bigger than hockey, and it was one of those life experiences that uh, hockey was second place. And uh, I think when you when you get to meet somebody uh, with the, with the character and uh, and with the integrity that that Colton has, I think that just trumps hockey, and it's a way to teach life lessons for these young hockey players. And uh, they did a good job regrouping, and uh, and in the end, it was it was teamwork that got us through today, and it was exactly what uh, Colton said to them. So it was awesome. Uh, Umberto, I, I know you won today 5-2 over Minnesota. I want to go back to last night's game because I, I, I talked about it a little bit during my show last night. It was it didn't start until an hour or so after I was off the air. And I said, you guys were 2-0. Toronto Pro Hockey is 2-0. And uh, I'm not going to be pretend to be an expert on these teams, but I, I said last night to the listeners, I can tell you Toronto Pro Hockey has already scored a ton of goals. I think they had... S- averaging eight goals a game going into that yeah. game. And you guys beat them uh, 3-2 in overtime. So tell me a, a little bit about that contest and, and keeping them to just two goals against you guys. Yeah, you know, they're, they're a great hockey team. Uh, well-coached, uh, first-class organization. Lindsay Offord, the assistant general manager of uh, Arizona Coyotes, is the head coach and uh, the owner. And uh, first class, they, uh, they're unbelievable off the ice and working with us of just, you know, around the tournament. They have a great hockey team, uh, and we have a great hockey team. So we just, uh, it was a good challenge, I think, for both teams to see where they're at. And I think it's more so we want to make plays with the puck, but I think our focus yesterday was our play without it. You know, when we didn't have it, we tried to get above get above the puck and, uh, and uh, back check, right? And it helps our D-man uh, keep good gap if we're tracking back through the dots. And, and at the end of the day, you need your goalie to make some saves, which he was awesome, and uh, their goalie was great. And... It just came down to that final shot, down at two-on-two and double overtime. So, Well, I wanted to ask you about that. Landon DuPont got the winner last night. He is the son of a longtime pro who played some games in the NHL, Mickey DuPont, and that story is awesome because Mickey was a member of the first ever Team Brick Alberta in 1990, very first year the term was held. So what is what, what is the overtime format here? Uh, the overtime format, and, I, and before we go to that, that first, another cool fact about Mickey and Landon, it is the first father-son to ever play for Team Brick Alberta in the 30 years. So Amazing. the 30-year anniversary. So it's the first father and father and son to play both for Team Brick Alberta, So which is a really cool uh, second fact there. And But the overtime format, we go three-on-three three for two minutes and then two-on-two uh, two for the next two minutes. And if uh, it's still tied, we go to a shootout. Oh, amazing. Okay. And, 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 and what, what's the format for the, uh, for the regulation time? Uh First period, 12 minutes. Second period, 12 minutes. Third period, 15 minutes. Okay, so that's that, that's how you do that. And it's, it's obviously, I, I should emphasize, by the way, it's all free at the Ice Palace. People can walk walk up and watch these incredibly exciting games uh, whenever they want. Uh, you won again today, 5-2 over uh, Minnesota. This is your th- third year coaching the team or fourth year? Uh, third year. Third, third year coaching the team. Uh, I mean, what's it like for you as a coach just uh, assembling the team? Obviously, these are incredibly talented players uh there are uh, what's the number for the 300 i think alumni of the tournament have played in the nhl at some point might even be higher i know andy told me early in the week and i have it scribbled here on the back of my uh program uh 205 nhlers out of this tournament and 34 more drafted this year like these are high-end players but what's it like for you getting them all together and assembling them as a team in a relatively short time frame yeah short-term competition uh, uh 
it's uh, it's fun, it's exciting, it's challenging all at the same time. And uh, we've uh, we've been together for six weeks since the last week of weekend of May, and uh, we've gotten together. We've practiced. Uh, we had uh, 20 practices together. Played in six uh, six uh, pre-tournament games. Two two more when we got uh, the weekend, like last weekend after on Saturday Sunday. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's challenging. There's so many good players around the province. Um, we, we we run our player selection with uh, integrity, with uh, with just fairness. Like if you, I think everyone's got the same shot to make the hockey team, and uh, we're looking for the right fit. And it's like we're building a team, and uh, we're looking for certain characteristics that we feel make you successful. Because uh, the rink offers some different dynamics, right? There's uh, the neutral zone is 10 feet smaller, and the goal lines have two and a half feet more mm-hmm. uh, room available. So uh, there's uh, some different dynamics just playing at the mall. And uh, so we did a player selection process is kind of fitted around all of those different puzzle pieces. All right, you got the early game tomorrow, 7.30 against the Boston Junior Bruins? Yep. So we got the first one tomorrow morning. Yeah, well, I know the schedule's pretty fair. Everybody has one game where they play two days. I think every team has uh, either a 7.30 or a 9 o'clock start, so that's all fair. And you got to be at least in the top three in your seven-team pool to make the playoffs, right? Yeah, the first team gets a bye to the semifinal, and the second and third place do a crossover with the second and third place team in the other pool. And those playoff games are on Saturday, and the championship game is 12.30 on uh, Sunday. So, again, people can check you guys out, and I'll update the scores if anybody misses a team brick. 7.30 tomorrow morning against the Boston Junior Bruins, and then your final uh, round-robin game, 9.10 on Friday against Team Manitoba. You must be close. I imagine if you win one of these two, you're going to be in the playoffs for sure if you're not quite there already. I never let my mind go there. We take it, uh, okay. <laughs> we take it game by game, and I like what I tell the players shift by shift. And we're just worried about ourselves. I think right now we play in our position to be control our own destiny, and then uh, put our position to be successful. But uh, it just starts with winning the first shift tomorrow morning. So. Uh, well, I love that attitude, and obviously you have uh, connections to the U of A, so that's the old Don Horwood line. we got to be in position to be in position, right? So there you go. Yeah, I've been fortunate to be surrounded by so many great uh, so many great people and so many great coaches being both at Nate and U of A and uh, Billy Moores and Serge Lejoise and, and the Mike Cabinets, and I've been fortunate enough, and it's always just, you know, it's amazing what can get accomplished when no one cares who gets the credit, and that's our mantra right now and it's uh, it's working and we're going to try to keep sticking to it so umberto thanks for checking in uh, great stuff so far glad your kids had the experience with the stanley cup today go get them tomorrow morning thanks so much reed take care umberto fiorello the head coach of team brick alberta they are four and oh jujar Kara when we get back Six thirty, chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at six on Six Thirty, chad